Next on BYU Sports Nation, the government shuts down, but BYU Sports Nation rolls on. Why the BYU-Utah State football showdown is more important than ever. Former BYU quarterback and college football analyst Blaine Fowler on how BYU slows down an Aggie team led by one of the most dynamic players in all of college football. Plus, game status for BYU stars Jamal Williams and Cody Hoffman overcoming injuries and suspension before kickoff in Logan. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Believe it. Tuesday, October 1st, 2013, live from the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah. This is BYU Sports Nation. I'm Jerem Jordan alongside Spencer Linton. It is October. Can you believe it's October already? Believe it. Holler! Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Big showdown this week for BYU, obviously uh, dominating the airwaves with us this week. Uh, The matchup between BYU and Utah State. An intriguing matchup that we'll dive into heavily on uh, the show and the rest of the week with some great guests. Yeah, really, it it has rivalry overtones, and not just because it's an in-state battle, but when we get into the thick of it, with no Utah coming up, it it just gains a ton, a ton of interest. And on today's show, Blaine Fowler, former BYU quarterback, uh, Andy Boyce, former BYU receiver, and Alexa Gray from the women's volleyball team who's won 9 of 10 and have won six in a row. She's the WCC Player of the Week. She will join us on the program. A friendly reminder of how you can listen to BYU Sports Nation. It's on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network 980. Also go to YouTube.com slash Radio each afternoon for audio on demand. That's how you listen. This is how you join the conversation. Send your tweets to at BYU Sports Nation and vote in the daily poll question on BYUTVSports.com. Today, voice your opinion, elaborate if you choose to at BYU Sports Nation, and here's the question. What is BYU's most important game left on the schedule? Right now, Utah State leading the way at just over 40%, followed by Notre Dame at 28%, and Wisconsin at 24%, Boise State coming in at 7%. So, are people voting for Utah State just because it's the next game? Probably. There are some people that are like, well, the most important game is the next game. We're going to tell you why, well, at least I am. I'm going to tell you why the Utah State game is the most important game left on the schedule. And I don't care that we play Wisconsin and BYU has showdown in South Bend with Notre Dame and they play Boise State. Utah State is a huge game. We'll get into that. Absolutely. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic 1. A rivalry, but what kind? We're fired up. We're ready for this game, and uh, it's a big one. I, I think that uh, going down to Logan and or going up, sorry, can can really propel us and uh, kind of get that tipping point for the rest of the season. BYU and Utah State uh, have met for a long time. They played a lot of games, and only recently, uh, really within the last three years, to me, has has this rivalry become what it is now, which is competitive. I went to Copper Hills High School in West Jordan. We, our rival was Bingham. Bingham did not think we were their rival because we never beat them. For a long time, Utah State struggled against BYU, but, and, and, and they'd get them, and back in the day, they'd get them. Utah State would beat BYU, that is. But the last three years have made it so that this is legit. This is a legit rivalry now. And Dave McCann made an interesting uh, argument in a discussion uh, off camera before True Blue yesterday. 
uh, with Blaine Fowler discussing in the green room. The fans make a rivalry. The players, a, a lot of that has to do with the competition, right? But once you start getting close and have close games, it is uh, the fans that uh, fuel the flames, if you will. And because BYU lost in Logan in 2010, and because they were really good games, three-point games the last two years, this is a big game. And Chucky Keaton and Utah State are a threat, and so BYU respects Utah State a lot more than they used to. Boy, a dynamic player puts you on the map, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, the guy really is a sleeper for Heisman Trophy uh, relevancy, but you should look at him as one of the most explosive players in the game. He makes plays with his feet. He can beat you through the air. He is a deadly accurate passer. So don't underestimate Chucky Keaton. And this game is so important, not again just because it's the next game, It's a game that has big-time ramifications for both sides. Take, for example, the Aggies need a noticeable, nationally relevant win against a team that has some... uh, National cash Yeah, exactly, and BYU has that. They whiffed on Utah and USC. Both really close games they could have won. They didn't. The Aggies have earned respect in the West. They've done a good job of beating teams that they're supposed to beat and staying on top of things, but they need to beat a team that has some national relevance. BYU will give them that because BYU ran for 550 yards against Texas and because uh, BYU has dominated Utah State for the majority of two decades now. The Aggies can gain some serious traction if they beat BYU, and then they have Boise State coming in the next week. The two biggest back-to-back games maybe ever in Logan. So let's say Utah State beats BYU and then beats Boise State. Hello, National Spotlight. They all of a sudden are in the National Rankings discussion and become a favorite to win the Mountain West Conference. And people are noticing hashtag Chucky for Heisman, right? Yes. That is how you get noticed more. You beat good teams. If you beat BYU and Boise State back-to-back, Oh, by the way, they're both in your stadium. How is that not just what you need to put your team on the map? And likewise, the respect that Utah State has garnered uh, in the West and a little bit nationally, finishing with 11 wins and being ranked last year, that the 6-3 win last year against Utah State was the marquee win on BYU season. If you would Ten years ago, if you would have said, hey, in uh, 2012, the best win BYU is going to get is against Utah State. Huh? Are you serious? It was it was a good win. I watched that game over the weekend again. Two great defenses going up against each other. BYU terrible in the kicking game. Utah State misses a field goal, throws an interception inside the BYU thirty. But that could have gone both ways. BYU got BYU got away with one, made enough plays to win the game. Utah State felt like they should have won the game, and Utah State they have. They have had a tough time in close games. But this is a rivalry. And and a couple years ago, I know that was in question. Is this a rivalry? Absolutely. And it's a big game. Head coach Bronco Mendenhall thinks of Utah State as a rival, but says it's different compared to Utah. It's a different kind of rivalry. And I'm not saying it's better or worse, but it's just different. And I think it should be. Uh, different teams, a little bit more distance, but still, I, I think, a great game and and it has been the past number of years that it's gone right down to the end. I'm not sure how much distance has to do with it necessarily, but the fact that Utah State has been competitive with BYU, they have, 
the Aggies have the Cougars' attention, no doubt. Oh, without question. I, I feel like this game is more of a challenge than going to Wisconsin or to Notre Dame. Really? Yes. Why? Romney Stadium is going to be bouncing. I mean, that place will be raucous. More than Camp Randall? Look, Wisconsin, if if BYU was a Big Ten opponent, I feel like, yeah, it, in terms of decibel meters, okay, maybe Camp Randall's going to be louder because there's 80,000 plus there and there's only, tw- only 25,000 in Logan and yeah. Romney Stadium. But the atmosphere, the excitement surrounding the game for the Utah State fans, tangible. I mean, it is going to be electric in that stadium because they know that if they win that game, then all of a sudden things start rolling in the right direction. This, t- Listen to this, okay? So Utah State's lost two games by a combined seven points. They lost at Utah 30-26. to yep. Led that game 23-14 late. Should have won that game. Let it slip away. They lose by three at USC and didn't play that well. I mean, their offense was stagnant. Chucky didn't have a great game. But they lost by three at USC. And five, their last five losses combined 13 points. 13 points. One point to Ohio in 2011. Two points to Wisconsin. Three points to BYU. Four points to Utah. Three points to USC. Yikes! I mean, the team can compete. They can, they can compete. So, Utah State, I look at this as a swing game for both teams. Okay, I've talked about the Aggies and why they need it. It helps them in becoming more nationally relevant, getting back into the rankings, and potentially having one of their best seasons ever. BYU puts them over 500 on the season, gives them a really solid road victory over a team I think will finish first or second in the Mountain West Conference. And in my opinion, it will do more good for BYU to beat Utah State in setting the tone for the rest of the season, give them back-to-back wins, and then the schedule crescendos through November in terms of teams that have that national clout, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, all that stuff. But this will boost BYU's confidence more and be so important for them if they can pull it off. And that's a huge if. Topic two. Know the foes. Each week we update you on what BYU's opponents are doing throughout the season. And BYU, of course, 2-2 two and two through their first four games, their most recent victory over Middle Tennessee State uh, by a large margin, 37-10, to despite five turnovers. Okay, so we'll start with Virginia, Jerem. The Cavaliers got their signature winning against BYU, but have kind of fluttered since then. They're 2-2. Two and two. They lost to Pitt 14-3. to three. They're hosting Ball State this week. Okay, so the Cavaliers probably going to go 3-2. Yeah, they're That's exactly. Ball in. State University. <laughs> Uh, the Cavs probably going to go three and two after winning against Ball State, uh, but the loss at Pitt not great. Texas they had a bye. They've got all sorts of issues going on in that program. Their AD stepping down after the season next next August. You'd imagine right. Mac Brown if things don't turn for the way better. They beat Kansas State, but Kansas State lost to North Dakota State. So how good are the Wildcats? We don't know. Texas, uh, we'll learn some things about them at Iowa State on Thursday. Utah. Three and one. They had a bye last week. Huge game with UCLA on Thursday night. Yeah, another, I'll be watching that one. Another marquee matchup. Uh, UCLA ranked team. Brent Huntley, very good quarterback. Uh, the Bruins come in riding a, a big wave of momentum after knocking off Nebraska on the road. So, a tough challenge to say the least for Utah. Middle Tennessee State. 
lost by 27 in Provo. They host East Carolina. And then Utah State, of course, looked very impressive on the same night BYU played, Friday night, and in front of an ESPN national audience, they beat San Jose State 40-12. to They played. I watched that game as well over the weekend, and uh, Utah State looked really good. Really, really good. Utah State's a great team. This is going to be a fun game. Georgia Tech, uh, 3-1 and on the year. Lost to Virginia Tech uh, 17-10 last week on Thursday. They're at undefeated in 14th-ranked Miami. Yeah, we'll find out. If the Yellow Jackets can play some football this weekend, they're good. It's just how good. Yeah, Miami. And, Miami will show us. Yeah, and that was that. Thinking about Utah State as the marquee win last year, I thought the second best win was at Georgia Tech. The way BYU did it, Ziggy's coming out party. And, um, Jamal Williams four touchdowns. Yeah, a huge game. Houston is the only unbeaten team left on BYU's schedule. They, they haven't are, played. They're anybody. four and zero, but they have. Yeah, they haven't really played. Any. They they just beat. The University of Texas at San Antonio, 59-28. They will host Memphis this Saturday. So the Houston Cougars, while undefeated, I believe their toughest test to date when they play BYU will be BYU. They beat Southern at Temple, Rice, and Texas San Antonio. But hey, win the games you're playing, right? Yep. Okay, Boise State, they're 3-2. and two. They beat Southern Miss 60-7. to seven. Very, very marginal Southern Miss team. A bad team. Yeah. They had a bye last week, and then Utah State in Logan. Man, what a back-to-back for the Aggies. Wisconsin. They fell out of the rankings. Right now, BYU does not have a ranked opponent on the schedule, but the Badgers, they fought hard in the horseshoe. Ohio State's really good. Against a really good Ohio State team and lost 31-24. They were in that game. So I think Wisconsin will be in the rankings by November when BYU Heads to Camp Randall. They could be undefeated in top 10 if the refs hadn't uh, done what they did at the end of the Arizona State game, and then they were able to pull off the upset at Ohio State. But they are 3-2. and two. Idaho State, 2-2. Two and two. They lost to UC Davis. They're hosting North Dakota. Notre Dame, 3-2. and two, Lost at home to 11th-ranked Oklahoma. It doesn't get easier for the Fighting Irish. They go to Arizona State. So Notre Dame kind of wavering right now. A lot of people... In that fan base, not too pleased with how things are going, given the season that they came off of uh, playing in the national championship game. But it's kind of been a downward spiral since that uh, bombshell got dropped on them in the national title game. The funny thing with that is, as a BYU fan, would you rather have Notre Dame undefeated and extremely tough to beat, or would you rather have them vulnerable and then you have a better chance to win? For me, I, I like tough opponents. You want to beat great teams. So you likely lose versus you probably win. Yeah, you, uh, get, you get more street cred if you win, but your chances of winning are less. I don't know. That's a good debate. Yeah, yeah. And many of the times BYU's beat a name opponent, they weren't highly ranked in that instance. Oklahoma 94, Notre Dame 94. They, they're, of course, the time where there's Miami in 90 and uh, you know Oklahoma in 09, but just, just win the games uh, when you play them. So at Nevada, the final regular season game, 3-2. and two. They're coming off a three-point win against Air Force. Dramatic finish there. They're at San Diego State. Friday. Let's move to some uh, news and notes. Jamal Williams, uh, of course, concussed two weeks ago, missed the Middle Tennessee game. He continues to improve and looks great at practice. Williams is doing very well. Uh, He practiced today and looked really good through everything, didn't have any repeat symptoms or or any increase in problems, and, and he should be good to go on Friday. That is BYU head football trainer Jeff Hurst saying Jamal Williams is progressing well, should be ready Friday. That's great news for BYU. Uh, when he went down against Utah, 
that was that was a scary moment. And so for him to be up on his feet and bouncing around and doing these things, not even two weeks later, great thing for BYU football, great thing for Jamal and his family. Uh, it's going to be excellent to have him back in the lineup, not just because it gives BYU a better chance to win and compete, but because he's a great kid and you don't want to see anybody go down like that. So Jamal Williams, healthy. Expect to see him play against the Aggies in Logan on Friday. As for Tyler Beck, who is filling in for Spencer Hadley, uh, he left with uh, a hamstring issue. Bronco expects him to be able to play, but has moved Manoa Pakula to inside linebacker for the week. Tyler Beck rehab today. He wasn't out of practice, but he did a lot with our uh, rehab specialist, Brett Mortensen. Worked really hard, and he's, he's improving. We'll see where he's at tomorrow and, and make some decisions based on how he looks functionally. Again, BYU head football trainer Jeff Hurst on Tyler Beck. You just heard him talk about Jamal Williams as well. Great news to have both of those guys back in the lineup. Given that Spencer Hadley is out, uh, BYU has great depth at linebacker, but you don't want to endure another injury. I mean, you lose Spencer Hadley and you lose Tyler Beck, then all of a sudden you become a little thin at linebacker. So the fact that Beck will play is a good thing for BYU. Some other notes, Riker Matthews uh, with a hip injury, limited practice, looked good, but he is still date today. BYU against Middle Tennessee had an essentially brand new offensive line. Yeah, had a uh, new right guard and a new right tackle. And they did, they did well. It, that was the perfect game for that week, given the injuries and... The fact that you're prepping for Utah State and coming off Utah, I, I liked that. And so Brock Stringham was the other guy, the right tackle, who, who missed uh, the game because of a shoulder. Did not practice yesterday, uh, probably won't practice today. So we'll see what happens with Brock Stringham. So at this point, Stringham questionable. Adam Hine took a huge hit on a block. I mean, he sacrificed his body on a kickoff return to spring Paul Asike for a, a decent run, but uh, definitely paid the price for it. He still needs to pass concussion protocol and he'll have to pass that by Thursday in order to play on Friday looks better is improving uh, and Hine has shown that he's explosive on the kickoff returns and of course Cody Hoffman was suspended for one game has some criteria he needs to meet with Bronco Mendenhall but is expected to return for BYU against Utah State there are your injury updates for BYU football as they head towards a Friday night showdown with Utah State in Logan. Coming up on BYU Sports Nation, Blaine Fowler joins us and he'll tell us how the Cougars stopped the offensive freight train known as Chucky Keaton. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. And now... Back to more BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back. Jerem Jordan, Spencer Linton here. Follow us on Twitter at Jerem Jordan and at Spencer underscore Linton. I wanted to say Spender so bad right there. Join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. We talked about the government you know, shutting down and the impact of that a little bit that that might have on college football. Air Force is playing Navy this week. They, they're going to decide Thursday by noon whether they play that game or not. Air Force... Canceled a press conference with Troy Calhoun today. Their sports information office is being uh, told to go home in an hour. Really? Once this affects college football, now now I'm into this. <laughs> now I'm watching CNN and say, when are we going to resolve this? Generally, BYU Sports Nation won't weigh heavily in on politics, but come on, man! Make it happen! We now welcome in 
a guy who knows a thing or two about uh, Air Force and rivalries and playing against the cadets, Blaine Fowler, BYU TV analyst and former BYU quarterback. Blaine, first of all, give us your uh, take on the national waves being made in college football with uh, the government shutdown. I can't even believe it. I've done a few Air Force Navy games over at the academy over the years, and it's a big deal, and it means a lot to, to these two institutions, two you know, two outstanding institutions that we should all be proud of. Like, if, I've always said, if, if, if your second favorite team isn't one of the service academies, then there's something wrong with you because of, of what they stand for and the kinds of kids they have and that, you know. So you can like Utah or you can like BYU, but you really ought to like Air Force or Navy or somebody. And for BYU Nation, they really ought to like Navy because you got Ken Niamakalolo, who is the, is the head coach there, who's an LDS guy. Um, and so it, I, it's a shame and the only way I'm accepting this is if they're going to shut down the government and not let the teams play, then I expect that I'm not paying taxes for every day that the government is paying. <laughs> it's only fair. And you don't have – but then you wouldn't have police and firemen and, all, and paved roads and all that. It gets, it gets I sticky. I mean, I understand the need to pay taxes, but if they're going to shut it down, this is not by my choice for shutting it down, but I feel like I should have a tax holiday for every day the government shut down. So say they're, say they're down for the next two weeks, then we should get two weeks locked right off of our taxes at the end of the year. Boy, that would be nice. Uh, BYU and Utah State this Friday, Blaine. You played in some uh, BYU-Utah State games. Uh, what, were, what was your experience like playing in Logan against the Aggies? You know, back, back in the olden, olden days when I played, <laughs> Utah State was a bigger rivalry for us than, than Utah was. Um, they... They had a lot of talent back at that time. We're talking about guys like Ruland Gardner and, and uh, Hal Garner, Mike Hamby. Um, you know, they, they were putting people in the NFL, especially on the defensive side of the ball, on a regular basis back in those days. So it, it became a pretty fierce rivalry. And, and at the time, Utah wasn't really good. I mean, we were, we were dominating Utah. And you say, well, you can't just show up for a game and beat your rival because it's a rivalry game. Well, back in those days, we couldn't just kind of show up for the Utah game and beat them. That's, <laughs> that's how down Utah was. I mean, people try to make a big deal out of them. We're like, really? These guys are not good. We can just kind of show up. Business as usual. We're going to beat Utah. But it wasn't that way with Utah State. So I, I've got some, some pretty good memories of, the, of that game. I, you know, I, my first year, um, we played them at home, and, and it was a 32-26 to 26 game and Eric Hipple just throwing the ball over the place, and Jimmy Mack throwing it all over the place. And, and so I, I remember back to that first game. But it was always a competitive game. Then the next year, we, we went up there in 82, and we lost to them, 20-17. to 17. We fumbled the ball. We had a chance at the end, and we fumbled it, and they beat us up there. Um, you know, and then, then the next year, it was 38-34. to 34. I mean, it, just, it was always a big game um, with, with a lot riding on it. And so... To me, that was the in-state rival that meant the most during my time. Now, the Ronnie Mack era comes to Utah, and he upgrades the talent, and then you know, all the 34-31 games and the joint game and all that, and then Utah became the primary rival. But if you go back into the 80s, Utah State was a bigger rival for BYU than Utah was. Blaine Fowler, BYU TV analyst, joining BYU Sports Nation here with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Blaine, in my opinion, Utah State is the biggest road game, probably the biggest game left on the schedule for BYU, uh, just in terms of uh, gaining national traction and how much this will do for, for BYU if they win this game in Logan. What is your take on where this stacks up in the schedule? Well... Here's the, here's the thing. If they if they win this game, 
it, it gets them on track and it sets them up so their big games down the road mean something. So Wisconsin means something. Notre Dame means something. Um, even, the, even the home games, Georgia Tech, those games have meaning. Uh, if, if BYU loses to another in-state rival, first of all, they have lost the state championship at that point, um, you know, with, with a loss to both Utah State and Utah. And, and it just kind of puts them off on the side now where from a national perspective, everybody goes, well, so now they've lost to Virginia and Utah and Utah State. But now they will have written BYU off um, as a team that's that's not good. Now they could surprise one of the big East, like Wisconsin or Notre Dame down the road, and and get back in the headlines. But I think if this is a launching point game for them, if, if they go up and this is a very good football team and they win this game on the road, it will do a lot for BYU's confidence. It it kind of puts them back on the national map because Utah State, believe it or not, is respected um, nationally, and and now they've got enough games left in the schedule that that they can recover from the Virginia and the Utah losses still. But a loss here is very difficult from a national perspective for BYU to recover from, even if they go on, on a run. Blaine Fowler joining us here on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, the old wagon wheel goes to the winner of this game. Why is this not a bigger deal like we see in the Big Ten and other rivalries where there's an object that goes to the winner? No, I don't. The beehive boot and the wagon wheel, I think they used to be a big deal, and now... People have just kind of gotten off of focusing on what the trophy is. I don't. I don't think they've lost focus in in uh, you know the the gravity of the game, how big it is. Um, but it's. I don't ever ever remember making a big deal of carrying the wagon wheel around or rolling it around. It's big, or or the beehive boot. You know, carrying it around. It, it just seems like those trophies have never been a part, um, at least since the '80s where that was a big deal. The games are a big deal. The bragging rights are a big deal. It's a big deal to the fans. Um, but the trophy that goes along with it, it just hasn't been that big of a deal. I don't know why. We need a new wagon wheel. We need something that they can carry around the stadium. A million bucks in the wagon wheel. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a gold bullion cube. You win that. <laughs> yeah, guys, will be, everybody will want to touch that and run around with that. That, that would be, you know, so... How about a Something sign that, that hangs something. on the opposing team's creamery that says, like... Your if, ice cream yeah, stinks. Yeah, BYU, no, <laughs> BYU creamery is the best, and they have to hang that over the agri, Lame. Over agri yeah, creamery. They're, they're, Lame. They're, I'm telling you, the creameries mean a lot to these people. I was, I was up in Logan a few weeks ago, and uh, I stopped by the football offices and visited. There, there's some really good guys on that staff. I mean, I, I think the world of Matt Wells, great guy, and, uh, you know, they, they've got some guys with ties to BYU, um, a lot of in-state ties up there, um, but uh, it's it's a good staff, and they're real positive. They've done a lot of the things. They've upgraded their facilities. I mean, it's a big-time program now. They've really made giant steps, and I'd call them leaps in the last couple of years, where where they can compete now. Um, and I have to tell you that after I visited with them, I went over to the creamery and got an ice cream cone and Logan. <laughs> It's See, big. It, it matters. It's big at these schools. Absolutely. <laughs> Blaine, you mentioned during our uh, off-season special on BYU TV in June that one of the players you were most worried about BYU's defense facing was Chucky Keaton. Why and how does BYU stop him on Friday night? Well, they, they did a terrific job on him last year. Probably the best job that any team did on Chucky Keaton last year. Um, 
and he's playing even better this year. So, I mean, it, it, it's a big challenge. He's, we're talking about we, – we keep talking about passing percentage because cause BYU's has been so low. Chucky's completing 71%, and, and he's averaging just over 272 yards a game. His pass efficiency rating is 161.5. So, I mean, he's lights out right now. 17 touchdowns, one interception. That's probably the most impressive stat. Um, and so he's playing even better than he did last year. Oh, and let's not forget he averages 4.3 yards a carry. That, that's even after figuring in sacks. Um, and so, so he's a very dynamic dual-threat guy that when he's scrambling around, he doesn't scramble to run. He does when he needs to. He scrambles to find open receivers, which is scary. And the reason BYU has had success against him or did last year is because of the team speed they have on the edges and because they were really disciplined inside. So, so when you pass rush him, you have to have guys that if he makes a little move or a juke and starts to try to get and break containment and get to the edge, you have to have guys that can run him down. Well, guess what? Alani Fua and Kyle Van Noy are actually as fast or faster than Chucky Keaton. Now, they, they don't see that. He doesn't see that very often where two outside backers are as fast as he did, is and can run him down. And then inside, you have to have your guys like Ethan Matamaliuna and Johnson and you know, even, even the ends. They've got to stay in their rush lanes and make sure that they come hard but they come under control where they're supposed to be so they don't leave him little gaps to escape because that's when he hurts you. BYU forced him to be a pocket passer last year. Now, he's good at it, but that's not when he's at his best. You can control him if you can make him do that. And so that's got to be the game plan again is to make sure that that front seven, keep him contained, keep him in the cage, and, and force him to stand in the pocket and throw it and not be throwing on the run and making magic happen while he's running around. Blaine Fowler joining us here on BYU Sports Nation. That's the exact thing I noticed watching the San Jose State game, was that San Jose State, when they were successful, which wasn't often, against Utah State, was when they didn't fully pursue around the edge and let Chucky get to the edge. Speaking of Chucky and comparing him to, him to Taysom, before the show I looked up how the percentage of total offense that Chucky accounts for for Utah State and Taysom does mm-hmm. for BYU. There's a 1.8% difference. Who do you think accounts for more? I think Taysom does because in total offense with you know being a top five rusher in the country, that, that makes a difference. Nailed it. 66.3% for Taysom, 64.5% for Chucky. Congratulations, Blaine. <laughs> well, and, here, and here's, the thing, here's the thing. Right now, um, until last week, BYU's been too one-dimensional with Taysom. It's been all running. And, and then last week against Middle Tennessee State, I think they made a, a quantum leap in throwing the football. And now everybody's like, well, that's Middle Tennessee. Well, it doesn't matter who you're throwing it against. Taysom Hill was setting his feet, and he was more accurate. That's big because right now, Chucky Keaton, he's truly a dual threat. Um, you know, I mentioned you want to keep him in the pocket and make him throw. He's pretty good at that. Um, and, and right now, teams are saying about Taysom Hill, Utah said, hey, we're going we're to double-dog dare you to beat us throwing the ball, and they didn't. Um, so you can bet that Utah State's going to do the same thing. And what Taysom Hill is, he develops and becomes um, two-dimensional, a, a true dual threat. He has the potential to be better than Chucky because he can run. He is a much better running runner than Chucky Keaton. If he can be effective throwing the football, then he's going to be a beast to try to manage. Um, up to this point, they haven't been. Because teams have said, if we can just force them to be a thrower, we're in good shape. BYU needs to prove on Friday against a good defense, a very good defense, that and, and maybe better than Utah because their corners are more experienced and better. But they, if they can prove that they can be a dual-threat team and they can have balance, and that, then teams 
down the road are going to go, uh-oh, okay, here we go. Now they're, now they're settling in. Now we can't just you know, make them, you know, stop them from running the football and have success in stopping that offense. BYU Cougars and Utah State Aggies, 8 p.m. Eastern, live from Romney Stadium in Logan, Utah, this Friday night. Friday Night Lights, college football edition. We're talking with Blaine Fowler, BYU TV analyst here on BYU Sports Nation. Blaine, let me ask you about BYU's schedule. It's set up as really the strongest in school history, but a lot of those big-name teams not performing as well as they had hoped. And so now where does BYU stand with this schedule this year Seeing that there are no ranked teams left on the schedule, yeah, I, I think it's still I think it's still okay because big name teams, even even when they're not ranked, they carry clout with the national media and the and the national audience. So so nobody's going to care that Notre Dame has lost some games if BYU goes in and beats them. The, the people are just casually reading through the paper. The, the, they're going to think, hey, BYU went in and beat Notre Dame. Um, and so the schedule, it's not a bad thing that these teams aren't maybe as good as we thought that they were going to be when the season started because I think that the names still have enough clout that if BYU were going to run right now and finish 10-2, and two, they would be in the national conversation and depending on what happened elsewhere, have a possibility to, to be talked about for a BCS Bowl. Now, in the end, the strength of schedule would probably hurt them, but you know, we wouldn't even have thought about a 10-2 and two run when we when we thought that Wisconsin was a top fifteen team and Notre Dame was maybe a top ten team and and so I, I think it, it sets up okay for BYU. I, I don't mind playing big name teams that maybe are not quite as good as they have been in their peak years and having a better record. That's kind of okay with me at this point. Blaine Fowler, thanks for the time, my friend. We will see you on Friday in Logan. Uh, actually, we'll yeah, I'll, I'll see you through TV boxes on Friday while I am in Logan, yeah, and you're you'll, you'll you're back here. I hope, I hope you're safe up there because <laughs> we'll, we'll be we'll be sitting on the set having a lovely time in Provo. Um, in in uh, are we in Studio C? I think we are. Studio, in Studio C, C. countdown to kickoff, seven p.m. Eastern Friday night. We'll be there. Okay, thanks, Blaine. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Good stuff with Blaine Fowler mentioning uh, it's a launching point for BYU. That's the importance of this game. And uh, we'll update that poll and get to some of your tweets coming up. Uh, as well, Andy Boyce, former receiver, weighs in on the BYU passing game. Cody Hoffman and Taysom Hill. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Welcome back to the show. Jerem Jordan, Spencer Linton with you. Game day coverage on BYU Radio and BYU TV looks like this Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. BYU Radio's coverage begins. 7 p.m. Countdown to kickoff on BYU TV. Spencer Linton live in Logan. What up? Don't miss it. And the game will be live on CBS College Sports at 8 p.m. Eastern. Both BYU TV and BYU Radio have post-game coverage right after the game. Okay, updating quickly the poll question today. What is BYU's most important game left on the schedule? And, and while we're waiting for the, to update, Jeremy, I didn't even ask you. In your opinion, what is the most important game left on BYU's schedule? Wisconsin. Why? Uh, I think that to BYU fans, the Notre Dame allure is kind of over. And uh, the way they lost Alabama last year just kind of put a sour taste in everyone's mouth about Notre Dame. Although they still have street cred. It's just not upper echelon street cred, right? 
Wisconsin's a big name team, and like Blaine said, whether BYU, whether Wisconsin's ranked or not, that's just a that's just a big win to go in and win against Wisconsin. I think the Utah State game is really important, but I just don't think that it has the national clout like Wisconsin does. You just compare those two uh, on face value, just random individual in the U.S. Say BYU beat this team. What do you think? Utah State, meh. To a national person, Wisconsin. Oh, okay, that's a good win. But given the swing status of the Utah State game. Are the Cougars and Aggies not more relevant for the BYU football oh. season? Yes, that's 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 uh, not the question though. What's the biggest game left on the schedule? Wisconsin, Utah State. <laughs> Fans right now would agree with me. Forty-three percent saying Utah State, followed by Notre Dame, then Wisconsin and Boise State, and then Idaho State, and then Idaho what? State. What about Houston, Nevada, Georgia Tech? Yeah, those are all bigger. You're right. All right, Friday Night Lights, College Football Edition. The BYU Cougars visit the Utah State Aggies, 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain, in Cache Valley, Logan, Utah. It's going to be chilly. It's supposed to rain on Thursday. So what? Uh, prepare yourselves for another cold football game between the Aggies and Cougars. Joining us now, former BYU wide receiver, a guy who caught a number of touchdowns from Heisman Trophy winner Ty Detmer and current BYU TV analyst Andy Boyce. Andy, first question, you played against the Utah State Aggies. How was the experience both in Logan and in Provo? Well, can I answer, can I answer the question of the, of the biggest game? First? Oh, sure. Yeah, go for it. I, I kind of I, I'm with you, uh, Spencer. I kind of like that Utah State game. You would You're say only... that, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> so Wisconsin's good too, Jeremy, for sure. Why do you Why do you hey, think uh, it's Utah State, Andy? I, I think it's Utah State because because of the conference affiliation with BYU not having a conference. I think Utah and Utah State and the Western games are are so much more appealing because. You know, every game is real important, Boise State, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, but I think just having them just be the local flair of, of BYU, um, the Utah State makes it a big, big game, especially this year. Okay, Andy, now now, now I want you to answer my, my question of your experience playing Utah State, notably in Logan. How was that experience when you were a BYU Cougar? Well, it was crazy. Um, you know, you think about where we went, uh, went up to the Wyoming's of the world and Utah and had people throw, had things thrown at us and, and people, you know, yelling at us, et cetera. Utah State was as bad as any place we played at as far as a hostile crowd. Um, I went back and looked at some of the scores that um, we had against Utah State because, you know, Utah is very memorable. The WAC conference back then is very, was very memorable. But Utah State, I thought, I knew we beat them, but I wasn't sure what the scores were. And we, you know, we typically would beat them 40 to 10 or so. I got the chance to go to Logan once. It was my junior year in 1989. And um, that was the year, some of us old timers will remember, when Del Lyles um, wouldn't get off of Ty Detmer and a fight ensued. And it was, it was crazy. The, 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 for 45 minutes of our warm up, they said something like, uh, blank U B Y U for about forty five minutes. And, and <laughs> Classic so, Aggie move. You know, and so you just think to yourself, well, that's Utah, that's Wyoming, but that was Utah <laughs> State back there as well. So my experiences were good in the fact that we won, um, but Utah State was as hostile against BYU as anyone. I just pulled up the box score from that game. Do you remember how many catches and yards you had in that game? I don't. I, I don't. One catch. But a 30-yarder. Nice. 
one catch, 30 yards on, in that 1989 game. Well, I guess I guess I contributed a little bit, huh? Chris Smith had five catches, 104. So pretty uh, hey, pretty hey, good check, stuff. Check out, check out the 1990 game. See if, I, <laughs> see if I redeem myself in the year 1990 at home. <laughs> I'll look that up in a second. As we fast okay. forward to this year, I think that uh, – this this game is all the more meaningful because of how the previous three years have gone, with BYU losing in Logan and then winning two games by three points. In your mind, how has the rivalry changed given the more competitive nature to it the last few years? Um, people are noticing it. Um, I used to write a little bit with the Deseret News, and I, I wrote a little article a few years ago on uh, what rivalry, what rivalry with Utah State, and it really wasn't a rivalry, just like I'd mentioned I had to go back and, and kind of think about the Utah State games back in the, the late 80s and the early 90s. Um, it's definitely become a rivalry. One, like I mentioned, because of the conference affiliation with BYU, not having a conference for these local games means so much more. But the other thing, the games have been so close and so good, just like the Utah games. That's what makes it a rivalry. When you don't know who's going to win and it's a local game, that makes it a, a tremendous rivalry, and, and especially this year with Chucky Keaton, a big name. You know, Utah State should have beaten Utah, in my opinion, and uh, Utah State seemingly could be said they're the best team in the state. Well, what's BYU going to say about it? Let's go play. That's the rivalry in my in my mind. So it's it's gotten a lot bigger and better, certainly because it's been so close. Andy, so much has been said about Spencer Hadley and his five-game suspension, then Cody Hoffman missing Middle Tennessee State for a one-game suspension, hoping to get back and play against Utah State. How does that affect the locker room, and how, how does the absence of those players on the field affect teammates, uh, kind of conjuring up your own experiences with that? Um, I, I think it affects them more than people uh, would care to admit. We had um, a few issues when we went to Hawaii, and we had some players get sent home for various things. And and it, it the psychologically, it, psychologically, it was it was tough on us. Um, even though people will say, "Oh, you know, we have another receiver, we have another linebacker, etc." You have to remember these are you know seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-old kids who. Are, are in thick and thin with each other. And when things go south, um, for whatever reason, it, it affects them mentally, probably more so than physically. Yeah, you can, you can slot in a, another receiver, et cetera. But mentally, you know, that's, that's our teammate. He's gone. What did he do? Okay, we know what he did. Why did he do it? Why is he um, doing those types of things? And so Hadley and, uh, and Hoffman, those are big losses. They're, they're key components to the defense and the offense. And I think BYU needs to have those guys back for them to obviously be um, a, a better and 100% football team. But um, you can't just take uh, any, any player that, that's uh, so good on, on one side or the other side of the ball and, and take them away and not have, you know, timing is a big deal. It's, it's a big deal to have those guys gone. Andy Boyce joining BYU Sports Nation. As promised, I look up the box score for 1990, which you suggested. A 45-10 BYU win over Utah State in Provo. There were five touchdown passes caught, none by Andy Boyce, but seven catches, 103 yards, uh, receiving 14.7 per catch. That was better than 89. But how did you not get a touchdown pass? Five other guys did. That was better. I guess I probably got caught from behind, and I only got to the two-yard line. A <laughs> hundred plus is tremendous, though. Excellent stuff. Good. Well, I'm glad you looked that up. I redeemed myself there. 
All right, Andy Boys, very quickly, Taysom Hill showed some marked improvements in his passing ability against Middle Tennessee. And people say, well, it's the Blue Raiders. You know, they're not a great team. They're still a Division I program. You still got to throw the ball on target. What did you like that you saw from Taysom Hill in game number four? Well, I think I think just that the the, the he, he's getting better and he's getting more confident, and that's really what a quarterback has to do. I I played quarterback at the high school level for about one game, and that's about it. But as far as being a quarterback, you have to come back, plant your foot, and you have to know where your teammates are going to be. And I think that's one of the reasons that Taysom isn't quite as accurate as he needs to be. Is he's not real sure where they're going to be, and so when he's when he plants his foot and looks out of the field and sees them breaking open or open, that's when he just rears back and throws it pretty much as hard as he can. Whereas I think a quarterback that has confidence will throw it a little bit earlier. They'll throw it at a spot and let those receivers go and get it. And that's what made Ty Detmer such a great quarterback is he didn't throw the ball near as hard as Taysom does and, and, and will do that. But Ty Detmer threw it on time and he knew just knew where you were going to be and you just went and got it. So, he did that a little bit better um, in the last game. He's got to, to improve that in the games to, to come to really get people off his back and say, okay, this guy's going to be a quarterback. He's, he's our future. And so I look for him to continue to read defenses better and quicker and to be able to throw it more on time and not as hard. Because when you throw it so hard as well, it has to be right in your hands. If a receiver turns around and that ball's coming, whatever he throws at 90 miles an hour, and it's just a little bit off target, it's really difficult to catch. And that's the reason receivers are dropping them on him, because they're coming so hard. Andy Boyce, we appreciate you dropping some knowledge here on BYU Sports Nation. You're very welcome. Glad to do it. You guys sound like you're, uh, you're getting all geared up for this Friday. Hopefully it's not going to snow on you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll keep that in mind when I'm in Logan. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, thanks for the time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Andy Boyce, former BYU receiver. Uh, great insight there at the end about uh, about catching passes from from a uh, quicker ball. Oh, here's here's the cold weather advantage that BYU may enjoy if there is weather of any sort. The running attack for BYU we've seen is capable. Even even if you stack the box, like they can still pound the pile with their big bruisers, Elisa and Lasique, uh, and then having Jamal back there, a very physical runner. So BYU does have that advantage, but I. It doesn't look like there will be any sort of weather, just cold. So, All right, coming up on BYU Sports Nation, the Cougar Whip Around. I know you're looking forward to that. Plus, we delve into BYU banter and some of your tweets. This is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. And now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Soccer. The Cougars have lost three of their last four, but will try to finish non-conference play with the win this Friday at Baylor. Ranked team. Before beginning WCC play. Cross country. The women's team will run at the Notre Dame Invitational in South Bend, Indiana this Friday. Good luck, ladies. Women's volleyball. And BYU's won six in a row, nine of the last ten. Uh, now joining us on the phone, Alexa Gray, sophomore outside hitter for the BYU Cougars, who have figured some things out after a one and two start to the season, having won nine of the last ten. Alexa, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. 
Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show. There was a nice feature on you uh, last night on True Blue uh, that's now online. I'll actually tweet the link out here. Um, telling your story, which I think is very compelling. Uh, can you just give us some insight to uh, kind of where you're from and how you got to BYU? Yeah, um, I'm from Calgary, Alberta. I was born in Lethbridge, which is just south of Calgary. Um, went to high school in Calgary and got recruited to BYU, so here I am. Now playing for the Cougars and enjoying a very nice career thus far. Sophomore sensation, if you will. Uh, you've led the Cougars in kills a number of games this season. BYU rolling six in a row. Now you're flirting with a top 25 ranking again. How does the team feel right now? Obviously it's good to win, but can you kind of just give us the atmosphere and practice right now? Yeah, we're just trying to work even harder every day in practice, trying to get our defense up to code and trying to touch a lot of balls so we're able to stick with the, the top-ranked teams and give them a competition. Talking with Alexa Gray, outstanding volleyball player on the BYU women's team uh, here on BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Alexa, there was a play on Saturday night when Amy Boswell, 6'4", middle blocker, set you literally across the length of the court and you pounded it down. How did that play feel? And I really, at that moment, that's the most excited I've seen you as a BYU volleyball player. Yeah, well, Amy's always had good hands and she used to be a setter so she kind of knows how to place it so when she said that I kind of knew that she was going to set it because I could just sense that she wanted to do it so when she said it I just thought I'd go for it and it paid off I guess. 3-0 and in WCC play so far Alexa huge match uh, at Pepperdine Thursday on ESPNU at 10 p.m. Eastern what's a key to victory against the Waves? I think we just got to uh, stay consistent and uh, keep our serves in I know that gym's always like a fun gym to play in, great atmosphere, so we just got to stay to our side and stick together as a team. Alexa, good luck to you and the BYU women's volleyball team as you take on the waves. ESPNU Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern time. And Oh, by the way, if you like mechanics, I compare Alexa, you to Ken Griffey Jr. and his baseball swing. It's just, wow. it's just pretty to watch, so well done. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck, and uh, go get them on Thursday. Okay, thanks. See ya. Lexa Gray from the women's volleyball team. Appreciate her coming on. Uh, she's received a rise and shout a couple of times. <laughs> Might as well. That, that Now, that cougar compared to the cougar we've had the last couple weeks, it sounds like he has a fever. <laughs> Something's going on with Angry that cougar. Angry cougar. Uh, let's, let's wrap up by getting to some of the tweets um, and giving the final poll results on our question, which is what is BYU's most important game left on the schedule? The final results look like this. Utah State, 42%, followed by Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and then Boise State. A couple of tweets at uh, BYU Man Austin. As of now, definitely Utah State. They're honestly a bigger threat to me than Notre Dame. Okay, and at Jared Eborn. He used to cover the Aggies for the Deseret News. Idaho State, (laughs) because it will get the fans' hopes way up for a successful 2014 season after going 6-6 in 2013. That's a little pessimistic. Come on. At Wife for Life, if not USU Boise, if not Boise State, then the bowl game, which symbolizes health of the program. Interest. Okay, and finally, at Wells 801, no game is important now. BYU season is already a failure. What the heck? They will not make a bowl game this year. (laughs) Debbie Downer. (laughs) Come on, man! (laughs) Big thanks to all our guests on today's show. Blaine Fowler, Andy Boyce, Alexa Gray, and everyone on our 
crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, BYU radio station manager Don Shaline, production assistants Alan Miller and Spencer King, and of course our engineer Aaron Evans. In the words of Marv Albert, yes! <laughs> For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton, and you have just listened to BYU Sports Nation.